You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, episode 101. We are your resident Star Trek podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have my two guest hosts who have been recurring now for the last six episodes as we cover Star Trek Lower Decks. Zach. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And Ray. Hey. Hey, hey. And we are here, of course, to talk about Star Trek. We're going to be talking Star Trek Lower Decks, episode six, Terminal Provocations, Provocations, excuse me. So spoiler warnings for that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Star Trek Day. This past week on Tuesday was Star Trek Day, the 54th anniversary of the Star Trek franchise. And they did a a panel, three and a half hours worth of virtual panels from all across the Star Trek universe, from the original series up through the still yet to be produced Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um Zach, did you watch any of the panels from Star Trek Day? I didn't. I've I've caught a few clips here and there. Um, I know I wanted to, but uh, like, like like we talked about last week, I was working the whole time it was happening, and so I have since caught a few clips here and there, but not an entire panel, which is a bummer. Well, they're all on YouTube, all of them. So That's you good. Go, I'm glad to you, know that you can go and watch them. Ray, you've seen several of them. Yes, I think I've watched three or four at this point. The only one that I haven't watched uh, is actually, uh, funny enough, is the the Picard TNG panel, which was Will Wheaton hosting, moderating with Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. That's the only one I haven't gotten to, but I've watched all the others. That one should have been called Me and My Two Dads. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would have been fine. That would have been a fine title. Right? Well, we didn't get a whole lot of news from star trek day we did get a brand new season three trailer for star trek discovery which brought out some interesting stuff we've all seen the trailer uh kitty okay what's we could talk about grudge cat yes if we'd like uh you can follow grudge cat on twitter i did Um, not know that i'm behind the times let me (laughs) grab my phone here he will instantly follow you back that's not true interesting that's oh, not, okay. My that's bad. That's not true. Uh, only if Grudge- you're only if you're a female. <laughs> no, no, I didn't follow Grudge Cat. Derek oh, okay. did, and he got a a follow back. Grudge oh, Cat okay. does follow me. I am very happy about it. It's pretty cool. But Gr- Grudge Cat, uh, you know, is very selective for, the, yeah? for their followers. Which you so know, what makes you so special? Um, you I'm very I'm very much into Star Trek. I mean, Grudge Cat. Look, Grudge Cat only follows seventy six people, and I'm one of them, and that's pretty cool. I feel pretty oh, cool about that. that is yeah, cool. yeah, I feel pretty good about that. So there is, yeah, there is a, a cat in Star Trek, uh, Mr. Booker's cat. Uh, Booker is a, a new character that we're getting here in season three. Yes, uh, star. He's been more or less co stars in the trailer for the season. Mm-hmm. Anything stand out? from the trailer that either uh, solidified your thoughts for season three, or maybe threw you in a different direction for where you thought things were going to go. So this is where I wanted them to go from the beginning. I wanted them to be ahead because doing a show that close to another 
Star Trek show limits you. You're you're kind of pigeonholed a bit. And this finally gives the current cast their own room to breathe and work. And I I think they're going to do great without established characters already. You know, no Sarek, no Pike, just themselves. And I'm really looking forward to that because I think the talent there is absolutely insane and they deserve they deserve this they really do zach what about you yeah i agree with ray this is what i always wanted from the beginning um is uh, you know as soon as it was rumored i wanted this uh and there was that moment about halfway through season one where they made this big jump and i thought oh shit, is this my moment? Like, are they going to be a hundred years in the future? Like, can we like finally like get into our own canon? And no, we were in the mirror universe, which uh, turned out beautifully. And I really enjoyed that whole plot and, and everything that happened in season two or season one and season two. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they're finally where we thought we were going to be. Um, the trailer was great. You know, I liked seeing the different species highlighted. Um, I like the general tone. I like now that we know that, you know, people didn't, just didn't leave the, the Federation. There was, um, a, you know, something that killed them off, uh, which is not happy, but uh, there's, there's a force. There's, there's a force to fight against. And I don't know, like, I'm super depressed about current events and just life in general for the most part lately, like a lot of us are. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was watching this trailer. I just started work and I took a break because I saw the trailer came up. And so I... I you know, I, I pulled, I was watching the trailer and I honestly, I teared up a little bit. I got a little emotional and I'm like, God damn, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, oh yeah, you're depressed because you're living through multiple global crises consecutively. And, and that trailer had just the right amount of hope that you come to expect from Star Trek. And I really liked seeing that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Fair enough. Oh, we need something to hope for. It's that line from yeah. Futurama. We, we we need Star Trek to give us hope for the future. <laughs> that <laughs> moment. Right, where, right. That moment where Burnham like just screams out in utter joy because they're not on a deserted planet. Yeah. Life science. Like she's by herself. So I imagine that it's not just an expression of her like not being alone on the planet but also it means that her crew could be alive too because she was yeah. ahead of them mm -hmm. so i it, it was just such a wonderful moment yeah she sneak martin green is stellar mm -hmm. and i think that from just from the looks of the trailer for season three she's really getting an opportunity to stretch a bit you know because michael burnham is a very logical character and can come off a little bit cold especially in season one absolutely you know and that was kind of on purpose right to show how she was mainly raised on vulcan by vulcans and that had shaped her personality quite a bit but she is still human she's been through a lot in just the two seasons that we've seen and this i think is her first opportunity as an actor to really be able to extend the range of emotion and personality so i'm really looking forward to that I agree. Absolutely. I also was surprised to see that the Federation is, you know, not quite in shambles per se, but definitely um, nowhere near where it used to be. I thought that was a ruse, and it was just to throw everybody off, and the, the Federation was going to be just just 
the way it was, but I'm, I'm curious to see what the burn is, you know, what, what that means. There's some, you know, talk about it destroyed just ships, not necessarily organic life. So the Federation planets might, might still exist as they were, but they're all separated from each other. That could be an interesting thing to discuss. So I'm curious. I'm definitely curious to see where things are headed, but one little detail that's in the trailer. So I'm going to say it's not a spoiler. Saru at at least some point in season three is going to wear four pips. Yeah. Which is a big freaking deal because, you know, there was a lot of talk at the end of season two about who was going to be captain. Would it be Saru? Would it be Burnham? And there's good arguments on for both of them. There really are. And mm-hmm. They're, they would both, you know, be they're both incredibly strong actors. Jug Jones is phenomenal as a creature actor, and Saru is just so freaking cool and, and goes so far in season two. I'm yeah. kind of glad to see Saru get that type of rank because, first, we've never had our primary ship captained by an alien. Correct. We've never had that as our primary character. And so that's a really cool concept, something that we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, we also haven't had a black woman be our primary captain, right? We've had a black man and we've had a white woman, uh, you know, so that would also be new in its own way. So either way, I, I think we, we would have been good, but I'm excited to see Captain Saru. I am too. I think at this point, his character kind of deserves it a bit more. Um, right now, Burnham is still very paying for her mistakes in the first couple episodes and proving her, I guess, redemption to her friends and crew. So uh, I think, you know, a few more seasons, she can have her own ship totally, but I really love the idea of Captain Saru. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. And just seeing what his character goes through in season two was yeah. super fascinating. It was one of my favorite parts of the season, frankly. His short, his short track was really good as well. So good. Mm-hmm. Probably the best. And, you know, look, it's not easy acting through prosthetics at all. We've seen people struggle with even just fake sets of teeth. You know, we're talking through uh, the prosthetics you'd see from from Klingons or Ferengi, let alone something like this, the Kelpian, where he's wearing special boots. So he has, you know, like hooved feet and the way he walks is completely, you know, alien and and non-human and his whole face and head is completely covered. He's got those cool contact lenses. Doug Jones is able to bring non-human things to life in a way that, frankly, I don't think anybody else can. Well, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to have a character work in prosthetics, they knew what they were doing when they cast uh, Doug Jones. Mm -hmm. They were not playing around. Like, it's a really great thing that Michael Dorn and Armin Shimmerman and Renee Abergenois was able to get used to the prosthetics and work through them. But just hiring somebody out of the gate who has worn them a million times is probably your best bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So moving on from that, we didn't get a whole lot from from most of the other 
groups, we got to see some really cool get-togethers that haven't been a thing in quite some time. Basically, the, the primary main cast of Enterprise, including Scott Bakula, were together, which was really just fun to see all of them together. Most of the DS9 cast and Voyager cast were together, which was just, again, great to see everybody. And then we got our Strange New Worlds panel, which was very, very interesting. We we got some producers, some writers, as well as our three primary cast members, Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck, who are playing Captain Pike, Una number one, and Spock, respectively. We didn't get, you know, a ton of detail, of course, on what the show is. They're still writing it, they're still breaking the episodes, and they're they're hoping to start production in the near future. But we got some cool behind the scenes stuff. So for example, the series is supposed to kind of lend itself back to the old Star Trek ideology of episodic, hopeful storytelling. So each episode will be an episodic story, relatively self-contained, like we saw in TOS, TNG, and Voyager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of Enterprise and, and DS9. But the characters are going to see the long, season-long plus arcs of things that impact them for more than just those one episode stories, which right. Were you going to say something? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's very DS nine. Cause starting off with the first like three, four seasons, they, they did that. Each character had an arc, but you know, episode to episode, there was a smaller plot contained in the episode. And that was a very early, or mid to late 90s kind of thing, you know. Um, Zach and I are huge fans of Whedon from then, not really, not so much now. But yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that was a very Buffy and Angel thing, you know, overarching for the series, but each episode was kind of individualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that because I like the idea of the more self-contained stories because that's what Pike's enterprise was doing. They were exploring right. strange new worlds every week and that didn't work so well on DS nine because they weren't doing that. They were primarily on the station. They were primarily dealing with Bajor. So they had these recurring things, but the enterprise during Pike and Kirk's era shouldn't be like that because they're never really at the same place twice. Mm-hmm. And so I like that they're taking that into account. There's, teases about what una's background her origin story is going to be and it's supposed to be really unique because number one doesn't have a lot written about her there's some stuff in the books about what happens after the cage of course none of that is canon and rebecca romaine has an opportunity to help craft what that character becomes so there's some cool stuff in there i'm really excited about it i don't know about you guys but i am i'm anticipating that show probably more than anything else star trek right now I also think out of everything, I mean, I guess there's like, there's the other Nickelodeon show coming up and a few other rumored projects, but, but really this, this show is the one piece of Star Trek that we've seen a teaser of because it was a big part of Discovery season two, but we haven't gotten their own thing. And and we all, we're all watching season two of Discovery thinking these people need their own show. And it it didn't seem like it was going to happen and then it happened. So now like we've got, we've had some of Lower Decks. We got to see all of season one of Picard, and you know we we discussed that the three of us together. We had mixed feelings about it, not all bad, not all good. Um, but and then we've got um, Discovery now, and it's third season really hitting its stride. And so 
I think it's natural to be most excited about Strange New Worlds because it represents uh, a new and unique piece of Star Trek that has been teased and, and it's basically already gotten its backdoor pilot. They've proven to us mm-hmm. that they've got the writers and the actors that can really make this something special. And so, yeah, I, I, I would mirror your excitement on that just because it's, it's got a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And as a straight man, I have no problem saying Anson Mount is fine as hell. <laughs> For the he record. A, that is a very attractive cast. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. All three of them, really. Right? But, I mean, let's, let's look at the Discovery cast. I mean, they're all pretty attractive people, too. Let's they're, be honest. Yeah. They are. Absolutely. These are, are some good-looking actors, you know? For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, was there anything else that came out from Star Trek Day that you thought was worth mentioning here? No, no. no. We've got some blood wine coming out if you're interested in such things. Uh, They've released some Star Trek wines over the last year or so, and they've announced two more, one of which is a Klingon blood wine. So you can you can get that. I believe a bottle is fifty dollars. So to piggyback off of that, their merch was really good. i yeah i am ready to give them my paycheck (laughs) yeah and that's that's been a a fair complaint especially during the last you know decade or so that we've only had these movies before the shows really took off that you know the star trek you know the jj verse the kelvin verse movies they didn't do merchandising very well oh Um, it was so bad it was so bad and it's been compared often to star wars which on the other hand is great at merchandising maybe to an excessive degree Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see them kind of correct for that because there there were a few of the um, you know the Star Trek movies that I thought man if there had been more merchandise I would have bought stuff but there just wasn't it did wasn't there. To be completely honest, it's truly a bummer that they've kind of moved away from the action figures because I know that action figures are just an easy thing to collect. They're usually like they can run the range of inexpensive to crazy detailed expensive statues or something. So I just, I miss that. And I don't, I I don't think they're doing it. I expect to see more because uh, McFarland toys now has the license and that's relatively new within the last year. And so I expect them to do something with it. I really do. And maybe that will be lower decks action figures. Maybe that will be discovery. Maybe they're, they're waiting for the Nickelodeon show. I don't know, but I would be very surprised if we don't start seeing more classic action figures in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would hope so. All right. Well, happy star Trek day to everybody, both in here and out there in the universe we're going to take a short break when we come back we will be talking star trek lower decks episode six terminal provocations this is your spoiler warning for episode six of lower decks we will be right back all right we're back guys let's do this let's talk star trek lower decks episode six terminal provocations this episode uh was really fun actually Mm -hmm. i really (laughs) laughed i think more than i did with any of the first five Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure if this you know is my favorite of the first five or not but i think it was definitely the funniest yeah of the first five what what are some of your 
your this initial This is episode thought. six, babe. I know. Okay. What? What I said? Never mind. You kept saying the first uh, five. The first five. I think this is, fu- I think it was funnier than the first five. Got it. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you said of the first five and not gotcha. than the first. Cool. Cool. Okay, Let's, we're on I the will, same page. We'll yeah. bring it back. We'll bring. We'll bring it. We'll bring it back. Use so, take two. Use, use take two. So this episode, <laughs> uh, the the senior staff is fairly busy dealing with some scavengers and some old Star Trek technology, and our lower deckers are busy creating the thing uh, or, or something like it down down below. What what are some of your thoughts, guys, on this episode? Like, where where do you want to start? Did anything jump out to you that you just have to get off your chest? Oh right. man, I mean, You're talking. I mean, it it was it was hilarious. Um, I I guess the first thing that sticks out to me is the character of Badgie, <laughs> <laughs> and and part of that's because I love Jack McBrayer of Thirty Rock and um, Wreck It Ralph fame. He's got a very distinct voice, and that character being hilariously murderous was just—it was—it was, it was really good. I also think that this episode had, did a good job of tying all their their uh, plots together as well. Let's talk about Badgie because one yeah. thing I don't want to overlook is the fact that the guy who voices Badgie voices um, voices Mister Fixit, yeah, but he glitches in this and glitching yeah. is obviously a key plot point in wreck it ralph and i don't think that that was an accident oh no i'm sure it wasn't right that that was very on purpose and i think it was really wonderful to see him go from playing like the clean shiny mr fix it good guy to this murderous delta shield on the holodeck um also like it's a holodeck malfunction. How can you have a Star Trek show without a holodeck malfunction? It was only a matter of time. Right. And they right. referenced almost every other holodeck malfunction up to this point in this one 20-minute episode. So many. So many. There's been a lot. <laughs> it was a common mm-hmm. plot device. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, so, some shows used it maybe a little too much. You know, TNG and Voyager used holodeck malfunctions to a pretty large extent. They did. But I mean, and, and I don't even want to make excuses, but like when you look, compare TV now to TV then, you have these 26 episode season orders. You're going to have to fill it with something. And the holodeck malfunction was an easy filler. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like most shows are, you know, 13 episodes tops. And that is a really tight story and it doesn't leave a lot of room for, for filler. So yeah, different times of television for sure. Ray, what did you think of Badgie? I think uh, I I think it's kind of a coincidence that he played Fix It Felix without any glitching, and now he's playing Badgie with glitching. Shh. I actually think that you know Jack McBriar is hired to play these evil cartoon characters now because he has such a sweet, unsuspecting voice mm-hmm. that when things turn for the worse you're you're just not expecting it and i love that i think he killed this uh cameo i really hope we see badgie again in the future i really don't care in what capacity 
but he's always there exactly i <laughs> i hope it's like an evil vic fontaine where he's just constantly running yes that I mean, would be he, so amazing <laughs> i he support could be that. this ship's moriarty he could they kind of like set up for that you know i think that works really well the whole holodeck sequence went from being absolutely hysterical to really intense and then really sweet like all like back and forth constantly it was a, just a pull on my emotions and that's yeah. a tough balance to do it's even like in live action let alone here like in, in animation where it's a very tight time frame that they're dealing with but rutherford and tindy are so freaking cute together yes and, i mean i know we're supposed to ship them real hard and it worked i i do right i really just can't wait to see oh, rutherford finally admitting that he thinks she's cute yeah <laughs> and he wants to impress her is fantastic it, it really is uh and then her just saying like you impress me all the time is also great mm -hmm. very sweet very heartwarming and you're right um and i hate to i hate to call back to this predecessor now that i feel like it's starting to differentiate itself and become more trek but but it does remind me of rick and morty pulling these tight corners between like you know fucked up humor and then dark and then like heartwarming like it turns these really sharp corners within a 20 minute time span and i think that's definitely largely important in part to the the writing team uh, and and their background for sure yeah i mean look there's there's nothing wrong with comparing it to rick and morty mike mcmahon it, you know he has a style that he yes. uses yeah you know and so to to ignore that com that connection i think is just kind of a waste if you know it i don't know rick and morty so i can't bring sure. that into the conversation but there's nothing wrong with drawing those comparisons yeah it was just for me in the first few episodes it was an easy fallback because i'm like okay this feels more like rick and morty than star trek but now that we've gotten episode six it's found its footing i feel like it's definitely you know struck its own course but i can see the remnants of you know of mcmahon's previous experience which is it was just fun i mean that's that's fair that is fair so we also have our main lower deckers mariner and boimler are trying to work with their their friend fletcher Fletcher. and i mean it, it didn't go the direction I thought it was going to go, but I was like a hundred percent sure that they were killing off Fletcher in this episode when it started, yeah. right? Like when, when Boimler and Mariner go off to the, the choo-choo party or whatever by themselves, right? And they leave Fletcher behind. I'm like, well, he's obviously going to die. Mm -hmm. Did you guys get that vibe or was that just me? No, I, I didn't. Like he was too <laughs> over eager and goody goody. Like I just didn't trust him from the beginning. I thought he had mm -hmm. nefarious motives. Like, almost immediately no one's that uh, pure of heart so i didn't trust him at all and okay, okay. And, and honestly like he is I, i've been thinking about this for the last several hours since i watched the episode and i i think he's my least favorite person in any trek show ever i can't find anyone else in my mind that i hate more than him at this point than fletcher oh my god yeah like really? kai win yeah. still exists Oh, you I know. know right? I know. I, it's, it's a really close tie. It, him and Kai Wynn are like tied for number one almost. Wow. Kai Wynn makes like me want to hit my TV screen. Same. <laughs> same. Fletcher, but, but, and, and here's how I, why I compared the two. Fletcher made me want to hit my TV screen almost as much in 20 minutes as Kai Wynn did 
as a slow burn over a couple seasons. Wow. Oh. I, I hated like, Kai Wynn the moment she showed up. Oh, I did too. I did too. But I didn't like feel the violent urge to hit my TV until like oh, wow. season two. It took me like, cause she shows up late season one, I think, or the, the season one finale or whatever it was. It took a couple episodes before I'm like, no, like I want her to die painfully. <laughs> so, okay. All right. And I got, I got my wish, but, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. but, and that's the thing. Like, so I have a long running hatred of Kai Wen over seven seasons that she, she deserves every minute of it, but I don't know. Fletcher just like, he rubbed me the wrong way immediately. And then like at every point in the story where like he could have redeemed himself, he just doubled down on being a total shit bag. I'm like, I hate you. Like, I'd never want to see you again. Like this episode could have killed him off and I would have been okay with it. And that's, wow. that's sad. Yeah. Well, I thought they were going to, I thought that was the the direction that they were going. And then Boimler and yeah. Mariner were going to feel like guilt about it, you know, leaving him behind kind of thing. Right. But obviously that's not what they did. So no. instead he is working on these, uh, these computer modules, right? These isolinear cores and he wants it to make him smarter. And that's kind of probably the first plot point of the show that I thought was just kind of silly, like mm -hmm. not silly as in like the, the humor side of things, but just kind of mm -hmm. like, it didn't really work, make any sense or work for me. This isn't the first time, though, that someone has tried to merge their brain with the computer. I know, I know. And Barkley has a whole episode about it on <laughs> TNG. But at least Barkley is already shown to be, like, one of the smartest people on the ship. Sure. And has a, a predisposition to do weird things on the holodeck. And it takes time for him to really connect himself to it and everything. Yeah. This just seemed like one of the dumbest things I've seen a character do. Right. No, that makes sense. And um, I guess, I mean, dumb. And also, and again, this, this harkens back to my hate immediate hatred of this character. Kai Wen reminds me of like abstract religious leaders that I grew up um, despising from like a, a distance. Um, whereas Fletcher reminds me of actual people that I've worked with that just immediately <laughs> pissed me off. And I, I, I wanted them gone. So, well, Ray, what about you? What do you think of, of any of the, these aspects to the, the plot today? This week? Uh, so, uh, first of all, I think I'm in the middle of you guys. I, I immediately distrusted Fletcher because of how like amazing he was, how much they were hyping him up. If they had toned that down a bit, I would have been like, oh, are they going to add a fifth character? Like, that's kind of cool in the middle of the series. I wasn't expecting that, but all right. Uh, instead, <laughs> he just turned out to be kind of a, it was, he wasn't really a jerk because he did do all those great things for his friends, right? I think this is a guy who fails upwards and we've all worked with that person. We've all secretly like despised that person <laughs> or sometimes, you know, not so secretly. And I'm glad that it went down the way it went down. I didn't think he was going to die. And, but I also didn't see them getting him promoted and, you know, moved, transferred off the ship. So that was kind of funny. That, That's fair. And, you know, without friends, 
it was really easy for him to get fired on his own. So you can tell that he's been a part of the Cerritos crew for so long because people also had his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a really good perspective. And, you know, at the end of it, when they get, they, they basically lie about what happened to get him promoted. And I'm kind of sad we don't get to hear the lie because I'm really curious what it was. And they kept referencing cues. And so I thought maybe this is where the John Delancey cameo was going to be, but I guess it's later in the season. I'm really glad it wasn't, to be honest, because I thought having Q and uh, Jack McBrayer in the same episode would have been a little too much. But Well, there's another Star Trek cameo in this episode. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Did I miss it? What's up? The Drukmani captain is voiced by none other than J.G. Herzl, the man (gasps) behind Martok. The greatest Klingon. To ever, ever. <laughs> I forgot. I, I looked up the IMDb list earlier and I was like, oh, that was him. And then promptly forgot it. Yeah. Uh, Martok is absolutely hands down my favorite Klingon of all time. I'm sorry, Worf. But yeah. Martok is the man and I would follow him into battle any day. And so having Hertzler back in any capacity is more than welcome. I wish he had been yes. able to play, you know, Martok, Martok. Ch- Chancellor yeah. Martok. But, you know, hey, I'll take anything I can get. Okay, so first of all, I gotta just join that, you know, Martok, Galron, and Worf, you know, you you marry Worf, you fuck Martok, you kill Galron. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how you do it. Spot on. But, but, oh my god, so it's a salvage ship, they don't have weapons, and they're using their tractor beam to toss salvage like just crap at the cerritos how cool is that that was so unique why haven't we seen that in live action star trek because that was so clever and just a lot of fun to watch yeah it was brilliant we've seen the technology used to push things in very minor capacity on star trek before so this clearly has precedent but this is the most unique and fun way i've ever seen them do something like this i thought well, it was brilliant like uh ds9 practically used the tractor beans to tow shit just constantly it was like yeah. oh we're just towing this we're towing that like yeah all right i mean that's usually what they're used for <laughs> right you know that's that's their their initial point but i love this idea because how many times does the enterprise like on tng come across a ship that's like well they've got these little lasers but they won't even make a dent in our shields and you're thinking well then why do they even have them and they're like well it's to blow up asteroids like that doesn't seem like as big of a problem as you'd think right (laughs) right so like so they have no weapons but this was super clever right because what would happen to a ship if you just threw parts of another ship at it we never get to see that i thought it was super cool I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I thought it was brilliant. It was really clever. Um, one other bit before we move on from Fletcher is so they they lie about Fletcher right to get him promoted off the ship, and where does he go? The Titan, and the Titan is yet another world building reference here on Lower Decks because the Titan is currently captained, at least we're supposed to believe, is currently captained by Riker. Yes. That is Riker's ship that he leaves on at the end of Nemesis. This is uh, after Nemesis, 10 years after Nemesis. So I can't quite remember the timeline on Picard for when he and Troy retires. 
well they they don't technically retire they're on leave hmm. yeah they remove themselves from active duty to uh to look after their kids i don't know exactly when that happens but i think right. Riker is still captain of the titans so i thought that was pretty cool we're gonna take a quick pause here because zach has fallen off of the meeting oh no All right. Well, Zach is definitely having some technical issues, so we are going to continue on with the rest of our conversation without him, and hopefully he can join us back next week. So let's get back to it. We, yes, please. We, we've talked about Fletcher. Yes. We've talked about the holodeck, and we've talked a little bit about the main bridge cruise story that's been going on there. Yes. What other aspects to the episode did you find interesting that you want to make sure that we cover? So I know it's not a very big part of the episode, but I absolutely loved that the Bajoran engineer was going insane and just really wanted to blow up that ship. Oh, the, ta <laughs> the tactical officer. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that's Shax, Lieutenant Shax. Yeah. I am not really paying attention to the bridge crew since they're not our, fa uh, our main characters. And uh, I don't know his name. I don't know the medical officer's name, but... Tiana. Oh, that's pretty. Hmm. But... <laughs> <laughs> had to reflect on that for a second. But yeah, I thought it was a really good running gag that he just kept begging for permission to fire upon them. And I, I like the dichotomy of the captain who holds it all together and the crew member who wants to take the offensive right away and they just bat heads and you know on tng that happens between Worf and picard all the time but it's never played for comedy and here it was and i thought it really worked yeah i mean it's funny it's definitely funny my worry right. is that shacks is basically a caricature of Worf, right He's you a, think so? He's a big, beefy, hardened, non-human tactical officer who wants to fight and blow stuff up all the time. And that's kind of what Worf was used for on TNG. Now, DS9, his character changes and grows and becomes a lot more complex. But on TNG, that's very true. he was basically used in two ways. He got beat up to show how strong an alien was, an alien bad yes. guy was. Or he would suggest a course of action that was somewhat aggressive or violent that would be shot down. That was really what Worf was used for on TNG. And that's yes. what Shaxx is, but just kind of exaggerated, you know, and he's like, you know, his, he's got, his eye has a scar and rather than being Klingon, he's Bajoran, but he's clearly like seen some shit and lived through the occupation and was probably in the underground and all of that type of stuff and fought alongside people like Kira. And like there's, so there's a lot of parallels to the personality traits between Worf and Shax. And so right. he just feels like a caricature in a lot of ways of like how Ransom feels like a caricature of Riker. That's fair. And at least younger Riker. And so like F Captain Freeman doesn't feel that way. Tiana kind of does feel maybe a little like a caricature of Bones. Or Dr. Pulaski, maybe. And so she Freeman's... seems very grumpy 
and uh, just a little worn out. Like she's the only medical officer and she's on <laughs> duty all the time kind of thing. It's, she has bags under her eyes constantly and she just seems stretched thin. So like from my perspective, it seems like Freeman, Captain Freeman's the only one of the main bridge crew who aren't a, who isn't a caricature of another character from an older show. And that's very possible that she also is the one that's most fleshed out because she's Mariner's mom and she's married to an admiral or, you know, maybe she was married to an admiral. We're not quite sure their relationship status. So I just think it's too early to say. Right. Right. Maybe there's just, you know, we're not quite sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I hope to get more out of these characters because they're, go- they're, they're around, they're in every episode, basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're part of some plot, you know, the A, B, or C. This mm-hmm. week it was kind of, it was the C plot, really. And that's fine because it's a lower deck show. I just don't want them to only be caricatures of somebody who came before. Yeah, I get right? that. I because really our, do. Our four main characters aren't caricatures. They might have traits that have some similarities to other things. But they're not caricatures. They're their own characters. They have their own personalities mm-hmm. and their own features and interests that are unique. So I'm, I'm hoping that maybe I'm just, it's too early on to, to really know. I think so. I think it definitely might be a little too early because we're really focused on the main four. And if the show has multiple seasons, then there's no reason why they can't expand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- that is fair. And honestly, like, I kind of got a vibe that Ransom was more like Kirk than Riker. Still a shadow of a previous character that we're already familiar with, but a different one. That's just me. And that's a, that's a fair comparison, too, especially during, like, the gladiator fight where he rips his, his shirt off and do- literally does Kirk Fu moves right. in the battle. And right. it leads to an interesting conversation because there's also a bit of a running joke in older Trek about how the Kirk personality type is essentially demoted with each series. So in the first show, right, he's the captain. Yes. And then in TNG, he's the first officer. Yes. Right. And then in DS9 early on, it's kind of Bashir, right? So he's just, he's, he's a Lieutenant, but he's the medical officer. And right. then by Voyager, He's Tom Paris, who's literally in prison and only gets out of prison because Janeway needs a hotshot pilot, right? Yeah. And so there's that kind of joke that the character just keeps getting demoted uh, through Voyager. And so I guess that's kind of an example here is here's that same kind of character trope again, but back in the first officer position. Right. So there you go. Well, because honestly, the Kirk type doesn't make sense for a lot of these other shows as the captain. You know, it works in the exploration where, you know, they're constantly in danger, they're trying new stuff, and he has to be a little reckless with his decisions, fast and quick and on his toes all the time. But he couldn't really, I don't think he can navigate DS9 or Voyager very well. I don't think the Kirk personality could. Fair. That's fair. Did anything else stick out to you from this episode? that you want to make sure we we touch on here 
Let's see. We talked about Badgie. We talked about Fletcher. We talked about um, the bridge crew. I think we kind of covered all the bases. Did you kind of want to see what the choo-choo party was? I was curious about it, right? but like, I kind of appreciate that they didn't show us. It sounded more like they're like actual entertainers who go around ship to ship or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is a really great idea that I'm surprised no one has touched on before. I mean, maybe they were like a hol- hologram den or something like that. That'd be know, cool. But yeah, that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cute idea. I agree. Uh, all right. That's, well, then that's all I got. That's it. All right. Well, then let's let's go ahead and we'll call it a week here on Red Shirts and Runabouts because I think we've talked about what we need to talk about. We've got more episodes coming. So, a couple of housekeeping items that I think are very important. First, we will be back. You know, we're doing this Thursday nights live on our Facebook group, Red Shirts and Runabouts, uh, Red Shirts and Runabouts Forum on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash group slash Red Shirts and Runabouts and join us live for that, which would be great. Mm-hmm. If not, these episodes come out the following day on Friday. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podcast Attic, wherever you get your podcasts. So go ahead and check that stuff out as well. It is possible that we will be releasing off schedule here a little bit. Uh, Ray and I are expecting our first child here anytime within the next one to three weeks. And so it's very possible that a week from now, two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, we will be busy doing something else (laughs) rather than being able to record this podcast unless we do it live from the hospital room which i would not not expect us to do so bear with us if we record or release a little out of sync with that or don't do a live stream what have you but we are going to do our best to to cover all of our bases you can find zach at avenger zs on twitter if you would like to talk to him and you can find ray at siren ray I am at the Star Trek dude, and you can find our show at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. You can find a link there as well to our link tree, which has links to everything you could possibly need for this show if you're having trouble finding us somewhere and want to subscribe. Oh my God, everything? Pretty much. Pretty much everything. everything. Yeah. So we appreciate everybody listening in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Happy Star Trek Day to you. We will see you next time. Live long and prosper.